Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What are the creepiest places and why? How does karma figure into the multiverse? Have astrobiologists recognized the existence of paranormal parasites? Well, I'll do Ben's line here because he's uh, raising our, our guest co-host today. Anyway, welcome to the 935th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno coming to you from WON AM and FM Radio in Woonsocket, Rhode Island on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live on YouTube and via TuneIn.com. Uh, those myriad questions uh, have to do with all the uh, various uh, questions we've received from listeners today and many more. And uh, we'll bring you an open line show with one of our newer guest co-hosts. And uh, we'll get around here as soon as we can. Have a little trouble with the uh, Skype today. Uh, sitting in the third seat today is our friend and colleague, Valerie LaFasso. Valerie is an empathic medium, Reiki master and teacher, a paranormal and UFO investigator, and author of the Tangled Web of Friends Young Adult Paranormal Fiction Series. She has appeared on the show as a guest most recently um, well, several times last year, and as a panelist many times in the past at conferences where we've done live broadcasts, and this is her second trip as guest co-host. Now, we really can't proceed without mentioning uh, the Ukraine situation. There are many uh, people of Ukrainian descent in Rhode Island, uh, many of whom we know right here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. There are two Ukrainian churches, and um, we just uh, we don't know what to say. Uh, all, uh, well, all I can say is... D- in previous wars, people didn't have YouTube. And now I think uh, the best side of the Internet, you might say, is coming forward because people are seeing firsthand what happens in wars. I've been in forward areas, and, and I don't want to talk about it. And you can just imagine what's going on during a full-scale invasion, this, this sort of thing. And it's just uh, beyond, uh, beyond toleration. And many people are, are all over the world are coming together to oppose this. And uh, people coming together can be a good thing, and maybe it can be can be stopped uh, more quickly than it, it would uh, in days when people didn't really know what was going on. So let's hope and pray for the best. So as we uh, uh, try to get Valerie on here, we uh, have received a number of bizarre reports from Ottawa, Canada, where if you've been watching the news, the uh, trucker. Protests have been going on for several weeks and have now been broken up by the police that um, many people in uh, surrounding neighborhoods and on uh, Dorchester Avenue, places like that, were hearing uh, the honking of the trucks while they were there. And the trucks are gone now, but people are reporting that they still hear the honking, some people. And... and uh, we received a number of reports on that, and there are some explanations for it. And we hope that um, we have family in the Ottawa area. So if uh, Kevin, Kim, or Vern, if you're listening to the show, give us a call, especially if you've heard this weird phantom honking, as it's been as it's been reported. One of the explanations for that has been psychological. I happened to mention to a psychologist I know, and he said that when uh, an event like that has taken place, when people have heard that sound, for two weeks or more, they sometimes will keep hearing it uh, as a time um, as time goes by, and it, it will take a week or two for it to dissipate. So hopefully, it's nothing. Uh, we haven't got haunted honking going on up north, but um, that's a, that could be one explanation. 
So we have uh, Valerie LaFasso, uh, our special guest co-host today, on the uh, good old-fashioned telephone. And um, Skype was not cooperating with us today. Skype, that's really strange. I don't know. All right. Unsure. Well, Valerie, welcome, uh, welcome aboard. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me back. Sure. So uh, I don't know. Have you heard anything about this? Uh, this is recent. This uh, phantom honking in Ottawa. Is it similar to the like trumpeting sounds people were hearing, or is it? I haven't heard about it. That's the first thing I thought. Yeah, the people supposedly are hearing these. And this has been going on for years. Uh, trumpeting sounds uh, from the sky or from sometimes from uh, seismic sources. That's one of the theories. But no, this is um, as I was saying. I think I, I did speak to a psychologist on this, and uh, w- when this event has been going on, when the sounds have been heard for weeks prior, as as it was the case with, with the, the the truckers in Ottawa, they were honking their horns a lot. Apparently, um, people will will continue to hear it after the sound has stopped. It's sort of a, just a psychological reaction to the thing, and it eventually will dissipate. So it was a, we'll just have to assume that's what it is. But we got a a slew of reports on that. And as I was saying, uh, we have uh, relatives up there. If they they want to call in and talk about it, we'd welcome them uh, to do so. So anyway, um, why don't we move on to something else uh, there? We can uh, begin. And uh, <clears throat> here is uh, actually, the, the, let's start with the question that came directly to you, Valerie. Uh, this is from Peter Shelley, a fellow guest co-host uh, in Bogota, Colombia. And he said... Um, Ben, you ready to? I'll, I'll do it. Uh, what specific? This is to Valerie. What specific area within the paranormal interests you the most, and could you give an example? Yeah, that's a great question because I tend to really be fascinated by it all and jump from one thing to another so fast. Um, yeah, us too. But yeah, but you know, right now I'm actually really intrigued by um, things going on in Utah. Um, I, like there's the Skinwalker Ranch, and then there's this place, Blind Frog Ranch. I don't know if you guys have heard about that. Yep, yep. And there's, you know, the, the government bases out there. I just, you know, I wonder what is happening and why Utah. <laughs> yeah, usually <laughs> kind of the attention is on uh, Nevada and uh, New Mexico, you know, but Utah coming into its own. Yeah, yeah well, that, that's the thing. Strange. Uh Yeah, the, uh, well, to us, of course, in our lingo the you're dealing with a, probably the mother of all flap areas that we know about skinwalker ranch um yeah. so what are your opinions on that i just would love to get out there and feel the energy for myself yes i mean there's it's the the reports have been going on for years so i can't imagine it's nothing you know i don't think it's something that can just be written off um, there definitely seems to be something strange. It does seem like it's coming from the sky and from underground, um, from some of the things I've, I've seen and read about it, but I just, I don't know. It's, it's really intriguing, and I, I definitely would like to get out there myself and know more about it. It is. Uh, we know George Knapp, uh, who was involved in that case, and he's one of the hosts of Coast to Coast AM, and we, <clears throat> we are not able to get near that case. Uh, nobody from the inner circle will come on the show, which is really strange. I guess we, we, we jokingly thought we're kind of like the paranormal's answer to the Muppet show, like everybody wants to be on <laughs> at least once. Uh, but uh, it's very strange. 
but again, uh, who needs it when you have some of the flap areas we work with, uh, you know, in Connecticut and, and, and Pennsylvania, et cetera. So uh, what's things that have happened there are really weird. Uh, people have seen, and these are supposedly scientists from Bigelow Laboratories, have seen uh, holes open in the sky and <clears throat> UFOs come through, holes in the air with weird creatures coming through, apportations of, of uh, large objects, including a small herd of cattle, uh, from one place to another, all sorts of bizarre things. And one of the things, too, that, that um, I've recently reread uh, Jenny Randall's book, uh, Time Storms, which I, unfortunately is out of print. I happen to have a copy written about uh, that it was released in 01 uh, about these uh, strange clouds that will appear. And if they engulf you, you can find yourself, you know, five weeks behind or ahead or whatever in time, and all sorts of bizarre things happen to vehicles, and the paint will come off your car, and all that sort of thing. So these are all things that, that are, are quite uh, prominent, supposedly, in the, in this uh, Skinwalker Ranch area. So it is what it is, and if we can get near it, we will. So, okay, Ben, let's uh, take a question here from, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Say hello to the nice people. Hello, nice people. All right, uh, Marta from Limerick, Ireland. Yes, and uh, Marta writes to us, a question for each of you, what is the creepiest place you have ever been to? That's a, that's a good question. It is. Valerie, we'll throw it in your lap. <laughs> I think the creepiest place I've ever been was a, a house out in western Massachusetts that I, I participated in an investigation. Um, there was some weird energetic Thing happening there that was trapping spirits um, in that location and the house had an Olympic sized indoor swimming pool attached to it and the energy coming out of that place was really really strange hmm. and we were in the viewing area there was like a little workout room that had a window that looked down into the pool area and there I saw like a, a full bodied apparition of a very tall male figure in black that was oozing, I don't know, irritation and just not not happy vibes by, by any stretch. That was a really bizarre house. There was also a, uh, something disguising itself as a little boy in the basement of that house that was scaring Rottweilers. Hmm. So that was a, probably the creepiest house I've been in. Yeah. I never heard about that before. Ben? Um, well, uh... That's a great question, and I, I don't I don't know if I know the answer to it because I don't know I I find I find the quote unquote real world much more terrifying than <laughs> than, than any anywhere else. You're gonna say you've been in uh, there are too many uh, places to say or not enough creepy places. No, it's um I don't know I don't know if creepy is the right word. It's it's um well that's the that's uh, Marta's word. I know. I yeah. oh, I, I mean to to answer that, but I guess sort of the the I don't know. Just going just going through daily life is pretty creepy, to be honest. It's uh, <laughs> well, that's uh, cheerful. Well, it's not it's not meant to be to be depressing. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's meant to to say there's no there's no separation between any of these things. There's no there's no degree of okay. Well, I'm outside of the the spooky mansion. That yeah, means yeah. nothing can harm me when I'm not in the spooky mansion. Right. It's. It, it's it's all it's all happening all the time everywhere you know and yeah, it's that's a good answer, and there's yeah. there's no there's no separation between any of it it's just kind of yeah. a part of the human experience 
Well, I think uh, in, the, in, the, in the spirit... Oh, go ahead, Valerie. Uh, I was going to say, you know, Ben's not wrong about that. I've been hearing reports of a, a local supermarket chain, um, various stores having paranormal activity in them that their customers and workers experience, which, you know... Not yeah. surprised, but I, I find it very interesting. I think we've heard about the same one. We'll talk about that later. Mm, clean up on yeah, aisle probably. five. <laughs> it's, it's those creepy robots they have in there now. Um, but, no, I think in, in the spirit of Marta's question, pun, pun intended, um, I, I can answer that, I think, pretty clearly. Now, I've been at this for over, you know, 51 years or more, and I've, been a lot, I've seen a lot of weird stuff, uh, one end of the paranormal to the other, at the risk of... Uh, paraphrasing Han Solo, <laughs> but um, I think probably the creepiest place, as opposed to scary, creepy in the sense of just totally weird, has to be the Sleepy Hollow Cemetery in Terrytown, New York. Now, the area, I don't think it's, I don't know if it's because a cemetery, uh, it's a cemetery, but I think the whole area was really, really strange. Of course, it's the setting for Washington Irving's um, the uh, legend of Sleepy Hollow, which because mm-hmm. of the headless horseman and all that fun stuff, and uh, the the very bridge that supposedly was in the story is right there in the cemetery, and I have been on it. Now, <clears throat> I uh, went uh, when I was in seminary. I was just south of there, uh, toward New York City, uh, in the graduate level seminary, and and uh, so I you know visit. I love Terrytown. The Hudson Valley is beautiful, mm. and Terrytown, especially uh, with Lindhurst. Uh, the, uh, Mer- the the new the, sort of the neo gothic uh, style that was prominent in the 19th century of architecture mm, yeah, in that yeah. area um, and plus at Lyndhurst uh, the um, the feature film based on Dark Shadows was filmed oh really yeah uh, yeah oh. and over 45 years of visiting the place I have never been able to get inside <laughs> there's a renovation or a wedding or something going on and, and it's really frustrating someday I hope to. But right down the road from that is Sleepy Hollow Cemetery. <clears throat> the last time I was there, I was with a friend who had a dog. The dog did not want to be there. Was whining, uh, and and it's just it, it's. Th- th- there are some interesting people uh, interred there, uh, including Leona Helmsley, sort of the hotel. It, it, she had a lot of Rhode Island connections in Newport, etc., mm. and a bunch of other people. A lot of above ground tombs, things of that kind. But it's it's not just that it's it's the and you can just it's it's the creepiest place I've ever been hmm. of all the creepy places I've been. So, Mart, I hope that answers your question. I you know I don't know. Um, so so there you go. So who's next? Uh, well, we have a question that we started um, a couple weeks ago uh, from Doug in Texas. Yeah, we, we didn't get a chance to go into it because I think we started it when there was like five minutes left in the show. Yeah, something like that. It was and uh, yeah, it was. It's always the short questions. The short. It's always the short questions. Um, and his question was, how does karma figure into the multiverse? Um, and he has a statement that is, I think the abusive part about quote unquote God is what uh, drives most people away from Christianity and faith in general. Okay, um, well, the, the karma thing, karma, for anybody who doesn't know, is a principle that's pretty much present in Eastern traditions that what you, that you reap what you sow. In other words, if you are a, um, if you hurt people, it'll come back on you somehow. If, if you uh, sow, as it were, positive energy, you'll get positive response in return from the universe, the multiverse, 
God, you know, whatever uh, is there. Uh, so that's that's what karma is. And I guess the question from Doug has to do with if you've got all kinds of multiple parallel realities with all possible outcomes, how does karma affect that? In my personal opinion, I think that that you all the positive things you can do and say, and the positive effect you can have on wherever you are, whenever you are, will echo across the other worlds where you are. I think the positive energy here uh, is contagious and multiplies. So I think uh, I, I'm a real believer in karma. I, I really think that you know if, if you are a, a selfish jerk and you hurt people, it's going to come back on you one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, you look at examples from history. Hitler, Stalin, Napoleon, shall we say Putin, you know, uh, the, 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 there were no good outcomes with those people and all the people they hurt. So I don't know. What do you say, Valerie? I definitely believe in karma. I've seen it at work, you know, which yeah. is always interesting. Where do you work? I don't know. No, I'm kidding. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know if I believe that it extends beyond this human life. Um, I haven't seen any evidence to support that, so I don't know. I'd be I'd be curious to, to explore that a little bit more, though. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll find out one way or the other. I, would, I mean, I don't even believe in death. I mean, I think you're dealing with all parallel lives. And, you know, the the show we did, um, was it last week with Anthony Peake? Yeah, it was Amazing. last week. Yeah, Cheating the Ferryman. But uh, I wanted to get into that with him, but we didn't have time. Uh, so what do you think, Ben? Um, well, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I, as, as someone who exists, it's, um, my, my experience is, is, is very different than other people's, just like other people's experiences are different from mine. And it's, it's important to note that, um, we all, we all experience the same thing, but have very different reactions to it. And, and very different experiences of the same thing, right? So there, there's a reality that we're all a part of, and we're all subject to it, and all of our, our understanding is based entirely on our experience, which is, which is awful, because, <laughs> because we, we're, we're at a tremendous disadvantage for trying to understand the reality around us, because it's based entirely on, you know, all of our experiences and preconceived notions. I, for one, am not sure that karma's a thing. When I was younger, I thought it was a thing. I definitely thought it was. And then as I got older, the question that constantly plagued me was, why do bad things happen to good people? Because arguably, if karma is a thing, you know, and everybody's doing good stuff all the time, you know, shouldn't they have, you know, good things happen to them? And then the question is, well, what's a good thing? Right, mm-hmm. and and you know, in in this case, do we do we really know that you know? Let's say there's some you know, um, I don't know, a, a yoga instructor in San Diego, and she does all the right things. She you know she eats whole foods, you know, is vegan, whatever, you know, no commercial, right, right, no no commercials, nothing. She's just you know she reads her books, she does her meditation, she does X, Y, and Z. But, you know, who's to say what's a good thing to happen to her? I think that maybe, um, you know, I've, I've, I, I won't go into detail, but we'll, we'll say, you know, I, lots, lots been happening in my neck of the woods. And on paper, it's all bad. 
<laughs> and, and it's not very great. But maybe the the argument is, is shouldn't be, well, you know, all these bad people get good things happen to them. You know, you got Jeff Bezos, head of, you know, former owner of Amazon. You know, now he's he's ripped and looks like a turtle man and he has his own island and he's like doing all this crazy. Yes, he bought his own island. He bought his all own right. island and he does all these things. And, and we, we set up these these people and, and put put them on pedestals and, and basically make them living gods because that's what humans always do is we, we, we make these these people and make, make them bigger than they are. But how do we know what's happening is good and how do we know what's happening is bad? Well, that leads right in my part. I want to let Valerie in after this, but just, just the point. Uh, one can find interesting life lessons in the weirdest places, including the films of M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, all right, and I'm thinking of the movie Signs. Mm where the guy was a clergyman and his wife uh, was killed and he blamed God. You know, it's, it's a common story, you know. And uh, he rejected the church and everything else and he, he wouldn't let his kids pray or anything like that. But then, you know, the, the boy is suffering from some sort of uh, serious lung disease. He has to have an inhaler. And all these th- these points that are so awful. And it turns out that his wife's last words end up saving them. And that the boy's uh, lung disease ends up saving him in the end when the alien tries to poison him. He can't breathe it in. So in the end, everything comes together. Things that were, that seemed to be awful turned out to be blessings. Mm. And that that happens in life. That was actually kind of the point I was trying to get to. Oh, all right. Was Sorry. you know maybe the things that are bad that happen to good people aren't necessarily bad at all. Right, right. So now it's just understanding what karma is in general. Is is it a thing, or is it just a part of the human experience? Yeah. Well, I think this is the thing in the multi. Valerie, before we get totally lost here. <laughs> yeah, I mean that as somebody who's been through my fair share of you know why is this happening to me moments. Um, you know, we experience our greatest growth generally through hard times. So I think we need hard times to achieve success. Yeah. But hard times versus something deserving of karma, I guess that's where, you know, we we don't know what the definition of what deserves good karma and what deserves bad karma, if it does, in fact, exist. Mm. You know, what would be the qualification <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. My right. point exactly, Valerie. So the other part of Doug's question has to do with uh, God as an abusive parent or partner. Is that um, uh, the abusive part about God is what drives people away from Christianity and faith in general? Well, I think what what, what they think about what what their religions teach them about God, which is not necessarily accurate. Which I think we sort of unintentionally addressed by. Growth happens when bad things happen sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, we each have our own faith. Um, ben and I are probably very similar. But um, I just I just have never been able to understand why people blame God. Yeah, same. For, for that sort of thing. And, 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 and the, the theology behind that can be very bizarre. It can be very different from what I learned in the seminary. Uh, but um, I don't know. What do you say, Val? Um, you know, I, I agree with everything you're saying, and as a person who, you know, as a medium, I work very closely with what I believe are my spirit guides, and there was a point early on in my in my education with intuition where I realized after the fact that my guides had outright lied to me about something, 
And I was angry. Like, why are you lying to me? You're not supposed to lie. You're supposed to be, you know, these high spiritual beings. And the answer was, you wouldn't have done what we wanted you to do if we had told you the truth. You know, I needed the lie to get me to where I needed to be, which was a, a good outcome. It just was different than what I was expecting. So Interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I think our, our perception of what is good and what is bad is also plays a big part in, in that. Hmm. Okay. So... Uh, Oh, it's, we're already halfway through the show. Yes, it happens <laughs> We'll fast. take our break. Uh, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone Valley uh, with with our uh, guest co-host today, Valerie LaFasso, and we'll be right back, so stick with us. The night is alive. Join us and take a walk on the weird side when you tune in to the Kingdom of Nye, hosted by Heather Wade, the finest in late night talk. Listen live free weeknights starting at 9 p.m. Pacific time at thekingdomofnigh.com, talkstreamlive.com, and the Paranormal Radio app. Want to take a ride? Local and live at 99.5 FM. And welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, and today Valerie LaFasso as our special guest co-host. We're doing open lines today. Our phone number four zero one seven six six one two four zero. If you'd like to call in, and uh, otherwise, let's get back to our emails here. Now, on, we get a lot of communication through Facebook, and I happen to every once in a while just sort of uh, not necessarily. Uh, intending to create controversy, why would I do that? <laughs> um, I'll, I'll make a post that just to attract and just to see what people say. And I posted a link to uh, a, a medical news story from the New Atlas Online magazine that was published on the 21st of uh, February here this month. Uh, it's the first ever recording of dying human brain reveals dreaming-like activity. And everybody said, whoa, would this mean it's all, you know, near death is all, experiences are all fake or whatever. Uh, this, um, does, let's read parts of it for background. A scientist have recorded the activity of a dying human brain for the first time ever. I put a question mark after that. I don't think it's the first time that's happened. Uh, revealing brain wave patterns related to processes like dreaming and memory recall. Uh, now, th- this happened more or less by accident, if there is such a thing. It wasn't specifically designed for that. It was a matter of happenstance because the person uh, was be- an 87-year-old epilepsy patient was being monitored uh, for EEG activity to watch for seizures, and she just happened to to translate as that test was going on mm. uh, heart failure, and th- they couldn't do anything because it was so quick. So uh, they recorded 15 minutes of brain activity around the time of death. Uh, they focused on the 30 seconds either side of where the heart stopped beating and detected increased activity in types of brain waves no, known as gamma oscillations. Okay, the dreaming, meditation, memory retrieval, etc. Now, <clears throat> they do admit toward the end of the article, it's always toward the end of the article, that, um, okay, you, ha- you apparently have a brain activity that's capable um, even after uh, blood stops flowing through the brain. But they did caution this is a single study. It doesn't necessarily mean this happens to everybody, and it could be a one-time thing or whatever. 
So that that's the background of this. So um, if you want to um, take the... Uh, we received a, a couple of, of replies on the Facebook uh, posting from a couple of um, uh, distinguished names in the field, uh, one of whom was uh, Nadine Lalich, who has been a guest on the show several times and is uh, pretty renowned. Uh, Ben's typing furiously. So can you read that, Ben? Yes. Yes, I can. Um, twice in my life, I, I experienced a series of uh, or, or memory flashes or life review, as the article suggests. The first one was when I was 13 and drowning. The second one was when I was held up uh, with a gun pressed to my back or, or the back of her, of my head for several minutes. Uh, in each instance, although I obviously did not die, I believed with certainty that I was about to die, and the memories spontaneously occurred. Interesting stuff to ponder. Boy, Nadine's had a more exciting life than I thought. Mm. Um, but in any case, uh, Nadine, if, uh, I know you listen to the show a lot. Thank you for writing in. You can call in if you like. Uh, but um, <clears throat> there are a couple of points in there, and I want to get Valerie in here too, but um, you, she didn't die. You don't know that. Just from a couple of shows that we were doing because of quantum death, mm. we've all had experiences like that. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, I was uh, in the line of duty um, caught in an avalanche uh, many, 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 many years ago, 1979, and uh, <clears throat> I was convinced I was going to die. But I did not have a near-death experience. Uh, my body was panicking, but my mind was not. And something reached into the eight feet of snow and pulled me out. The other guys around just couldn't believe it. Mm. I, I've never explained it, um, but I, I might very, according to quantum death, I might very well have died, and uh, you know, just uh, nothing happened. You simply proceed in another timeline. Mm. Uh, we got into that last week, but but that that's not the point of the question. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that comes to mind was uh, in 2008 we were. Just on the air, and I think our third or fourth guest in the history of the show was Dr. Michael Persinger from Sudbury University in Ontario, who had done all kinds of research on near death and, and, and artificially stimulating experiences of this kind, uh, with among other things the God Helmet. I know you, you were uh, taken by that. I thought it was a funny name. Yeah, and, and well, the students he said would come to his office and want to put on the God Helmet because it was. It was a pleasant experience, but he said, "No, no, you have to like be part of the experiment." So, um, but but we we were ready to nail him with the, with the question: Does that mean that near death experiences or any of these other things are not actually real? They're artificially produced by the brain. And he said, "No." Much to our surprise, he said, "I don't believe that. I think they are they they are real. It's just that there are different ways to get in there." So um, we respected that, and the question might arise too. Uh, couple that with our interview with Jeff Long a couple of weeks ago, Dr. Jeff Long, who's probably the leading American researcher of near-death experiences, and he said he has recorded um, brain activity, or actually he has recorded uh, cases in which people had vivid near-death experiences while the brain was flatlined. There was zero brain activity. So that means something. So I don't know, Valerie, if you want to try and make sense out of all this. <laughs> I, I wish I could. Um, I have an aunt who, you know, she had heart problems her entire life and has told me that she believes she had near-death experiences but would never talk about them. Um, mm. 
So I was always kind of, you know, curious to know more from her and um, haven't been able to get that, that out of her yet. But, you know, one of my favorite quotes out of Harry Potter is, you know, of course this is happening inside of your head, Harry, but why on earth should that mean it's not real? Oh, there you go. Mm. If we believe, you know, if the sixth sense is a real thing, which I personally do believe it is, you know, that to me it's very real. The experiences I have through my intuition, which are very similar to what happens in your mind, you know, they're, they're very real. So I guess, you know, how do we, and how do we know, like, what they are actually seeing is real versus dream. You know, how do you quantify that? That that seems really difficult. What, uh, what do you even mean by real? Exactly. You know, so, yeah, so we're, well, as we say on the show, or the motto. As we what, say. Uh, <laughs> Chewbacca, stay out of this. Is, um, you know, everything you know is wrong. We, we just We just don't don't realize uh very often what uh i don't know it's it's um it's it's i hate to say everything is relative because it's not but i mean it's, i don't know it's whatever if it's in your mind doesn't necessarily mean it's not real mm. or uh, there are theories that, that your mind can make it real you know the whole topa thing mm. and, and beyond so and it's conjuring up philip people well precisely yeah exactly so yeah we've talked about that before um, all right. What's uh what's next, Ben? Oh, I was gonna give my opinion. Well please give your opinion. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. It's okay. Um so the there's a there's a temptation that we have living in the modern world where um you know we like we like to separate things. We love that. That's like our favorite thing to do is to just put things in boxes and say, Ha, we figured it out, right? Just because we find that something has a mechanism, it's like boom, you know, the mystery's gone. It's like uh it's like a like a magic trick, right? You know, you, you a little bit of sleight of hand, and you know, boom. Oh yeah, I know how that guy does that. He he hides it, you know, in his in his sleeve. He pulls it out. Boom, mystery gone. But <clears throat> one thing I will pose to either of you is: Have you ever driven a car? Uh, no. Oh, yes, of enough. course I have. Right, and Valerie, Valerie I'm, I'd, I'd assume I'd assume you've driven a car. Yeah. <laughs> now we know how cars run. We know that there are engines. We know that there is fuel. We know that there there is there is a machine called car. But the experience of driving a car, which now may seem you know blasé because you know we've been driving for X amount of years, but the fact that we're going you know 50, 60, 70, 80 miles an hour in you know screaming metal death trap, it's it's amazing. The experience of driving a car. Is, you know, we can define it, you know, we can make it boring, we can bring it down into the material world, but the fact is, we're moving at incredible speeds, you know, while I sitting I don't drive down. like you do, but I get it. Well, I live in Massachusetts, so I have an excuse. Right. But, um, the, that's not the point. The point is, when we, when we find a mechanism for something, that doesn't take the mystery away from it. When, when we find the mechanism for something and we say, oh, well, we figured it out, boom, you know, we, you know, we took this this very like you know abstract concept. We brought it down to the mirror, the material world, and we flattened the heck out of it. You know, it's that's boring. Life is filled with mystery. Even even if we have you know like some formulas that tell us, well, we know that you know black holes are blah, and it's like okay, cool, but it still exists, and it's still a, a, a mystery to us. You know, when you start to lose the wonder of the world around you. 
you know, it's it it just you lose the whole point of of it. That is so well put, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, with that deep thought, what's next? Um, well, you hear the second and third pages of the question. Oh, good. <laughs> Which we will not get to. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the next question is, um, I guess we'll, we'll we'll hop on down to. Um, well, well, did Pat Lewis make a comment on our previous? He book? did, and and, and it, she did. She did. Yeah, she did. <laughs> uh, uh, Pat, Lewis. I, I left the topic before it. Sorry, Pat. Yes, uh, Pat uh, writes. Uh, what they're trying to say is the afterlife is all in your head. I think it's well, a little, little, little tongue in cheek there. Yeah, well, we we discussed that, but uh, thank you, thank you, Pat. Pat, Pat is a. Uh, we use her last name because she's a well-known figure in the paranormal, especially here. Uh, in goofed. I was for a second. I was like, I know the name, but I couldn't remember who it was. Well, you're you're. Well, she's been on a couple of our panel shows, and you're you're always controlling the sound. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I get so I get so caught up in the broadcast that yes. I, that you know I I barely missed it. So I apologize, Pat. <laughs> anyway. Okay, dokie. Next, uh, we've got Gary from Windsor, Ontario. Um, we, we introduced this question probably immediately after Doug's question, which we did not do justice to that time. Um, and Gary writes, what did ancient people believe about ghosts and aliens? Okay, that, that's a good short question. We started to discuss it, but we didn't get very far into it. And uh, I just have to say that um, Windsor, Ontario, uh, when we were on CBS, uh, we broadcast live out of Detroit, and Windsor, Ontario is right across the river. We had a lot of listeners from there. And there were all kinds of reports of weird sounds coming out of the ground or the I don't know what's going on in Ontario with these phantom sounds but uh um, I mean, why not we thought we kind of traced it down to um, you're the sound guru but uh, a standing wave being produced on an island in the middle of um the the river between on the border which was uh, an old power plant where fans were turning and creating some sort of a sound and people were picking it up. It was coming out of the ground or something. But anyway, there was an explanation. Uh, I guess it's possible. Well, I guess it, not. it depends on, on on what's in the ground, what kind of density it is. Right, okay. If if there's any sort of, you know, yeah. any any sort of geological stuff. All right, well, I'll, I'll start in on this question. The ancients uh, believed a number of things. In, in uh, <clears throat> our book, uh, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, 2017 from Schiffer, they were... Um, we, we, we traced this, well, this is specifically uh, beliefs about afterlife, and uh, th- there were some really dreary ones like the Sumerians, uh, you know, land of dust or whatever, and then you just disappear, uh, all the way to what we talked about last week, uh, the Romans and the Greeks with the ferryman, and he would um, ferry you across the river, and uh, you had to—that's where the, the 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 coins on the eyelids would come from. That tradition, you had to pay the ferryman. Uh, and I always wondered, you know, where did the ferryman spend the money? Be knock off and go to Macy's, or you know, after—I don't know. But um, that was supposed to be funny, but nobody laughed. Ha! <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, so anyway, as far as what the ancient beliefs were, um, they 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 were, I suppose, in a way, eerily similar to some of the folk beliefs that we have today. You know, uh, dead people, spirits, that kind of thing. Uh, and, and I think, you know, Valerie probably uh, could say a lot more about that. But uh, the ancient beliefs were, um, th- th- there was enough variation in them. I'm talking about from, from way back, you know, 8,000 years ago or 10,000 of the Sumerians, all the way through the Egyptians, that sort of thing. There was a sense that life continued 
in a physical way. Mm. Certainly the Egyptians did, because, you know, they, and we do the same thing today. I mean, I've seen people put all kinds of strange things in coffins, golf balls and stuff, and you mean like the guy's going to use them, you know. But uh, you never know. I mean, um, I think it, it, it might be a reflection of, of ancient human belief that life continues in a physical way, we would say in parallel facets, parallel realities. Other people might say in some sort of spiritual way. Um, so really, the, the, the beliefs were in a way dissimilar, but in a way very similar to even uh, the common beliefs of today. Valerie, what say you? Yeah, I think modern, a lot of modern spiritual communities are, are kind of going back to the, the old way of thinking that it's important to communicate with the spirit world, you know, communicate with your ancestors, ask them for help and guidance and that sort of thing. You know, I, I personally, like, I drive by a construction site, you know, they're, they've ripped up the trees and they're putting in a new neighborhood and that I look at it and wonder, did anybody ask permission of the land before they did that? And yeah. Of course. You, I you know they the did. same thing. And I, and I wonder what our world would be like if we took the time to do things like that. I think, I think we'd be a lot better off. Yeah, I think so too. Um, of course, you know, the, the, the problem is, you know, and this has nothing to do with the question, how do you support a population in one country of 330 million people or more uh, without some sort of uh, industrial, commercial, financial superstructure to feed everybody? You know, so I mean, but that—that's an entirely different question. If we ever do a, a show on sociology, sociology or social issues, we can talk about talk about that. Mm. However, uh, but as far as um, one of the interesting things that you bring up, Valerie, is ancestors. Um, when we speak to an audience of people of entirely Occidental or Western views, they don't think a lot about their ancestors, except you know, did they have crowns or? Can I get my DNA tested or whatever? Whereas people who are from Eastern traditions will uh, have a real, tra- especially Asia, a tradition of honoring their ancestors. And they know exactly what I'm talking about. I've found ancestors to be great helps in a lot of negative cases. You know, if, if and when they're in what we would say are parallel worlds that can communicate with ours, then uh, they can be a, trem- a tremendous help. So I think uh, that's one thing. That maybe uh, I think people may be more aware of that all over the world now, as opposed to just in Asia. Ben, what say you? Um, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a, like a half step back. There's there's a really really sort of important um, thing to probably point out. I, as I've I've been doing some really interesting sort of like re re educating and and um, focusing a lot on on reading sort of the 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 classics, if you will, of Western philosophy and sort of delving into into ancient cosmology and sort of how mostly Mediterranean and and you know, I guess now modern day Arabic cultures would would have would have viewed the world around them. And it's it's really interesting because there's um there it's it's you kind of read everything in a different context. Um when you kind of think of it like you know, we 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 have a tremi- we're at a disadvantage because um our night our nineteenth century German friends who we all now we have our modern sort of social studies because of them, right? You know how we view history. History is viewed as a science rather than you know a story, right? 
because um, you know, so they they can quantify it and they can point out the essence of the events, and we know that this is what this meant, and everything is a is the history of class struggle. That was sort of like the big thing, um, which you can't view history that way because even Aristotle says you can't know the essence of events because we weren't there. Right, <laughs> and um, but well, you, you can argue from a multiverse point of view. Maybe we were. Well, maybe we were. But I don't want to complicate the argument. No. Well, we're gonna we're gonna keep it simple. In in that we don't we don't know the essence of events. We weren't there. We might be there, but you know all of that's colored by our modern experiences, right? You can't mm. you can't look back, you know, two thousand years and and be like, well, you know, why didn't they just have an ATM to go to, right? Right. <laughs> like. like like, well, why didn't they do this? You can't apply modern-day standards to ancient stuff, which, is, unfortunately, we all do all the time. Yeah, it's not fair. No, it's not. And and we, we because of this, we view our ancestors as dumb. And, oh, we're big smarties because we can build houses out of sticks, and they had to... Yeah, without asking permission of the land. Right. So, it's so you know, we we, we, we have this whole idea of we're, we're we be big, smart, modern people. They dumb dummies. And and that's that's how we thought. But the interesting thing is how they existed. They There was no separation in layers of reality, right? You know, here we have, you know, we, we like to break things into, well, we have the spiritual, we have the political, we have the scientific. We, you know, we can look at an event and say, well, this is purely a political event. This is purely science. This is purely this. There was no separation. It was all part of the same thing. You know, you have a, a blacksmith who's making horseshoes. He says a prayer to Vulcan before he starts making it because, you know, he's what he's doing is is an act that's not just a physical act. It's a spiritual act, and it's 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 this this mysterious thing because he's he's participating in this whole thing of making something, mm-hmm. right, or synthesizing something. So he would you know do it with the gods or whoever. And I think it's it's really important to point out that you know they you know sure they had nor- normal quote unquote lives, but we've kind of turned off that whole portion of our existence, right? We've just focused on the mundane because we've just flattened everything out into this material plane, right? Okay, well, death is just, you know, we're going to take this back to two questions ago. And, okay, well, death is is just, you know, a couple things popping up in the brain and it's a dreamlike state. Boom, we explained it. No more mystery. But this was every day. You know, they would do their things. They would have their prayers, they'd say, as they walked through. You know, they would go to go to their temples and burn stuff for the gods because that was a whole other thing. You know, that's what the oil was for. So, you know, they'd burn their cakes and stuff and they'd eat with the gods because what do you do with big, scary things that are cosmic entities, right? You don't want to f- start a war with them, so you give them food. <laughs> yeah. You do the same thing with guests in your house. You don't want to start a war or insult them, so you give them food or coffee or water or whatever. It's the same sort of thing. These are purely human events, but there's no separation in the layers of reality. Very interesting. Uh, Valerie, if you want to comment on that, and then uh, we're out of time almost, so tell us about yourself and your, where people can find out more. But but you can comment, certainly feel free to comment on what Ben just said. I, I don't know if I can follow that. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. So, Sorry. well, in that case, uh, tell us about yourself, your books, where people can find out more. It's okay, up. so um, I can be found right now mostly on Facebook as uh, Valerie Lofaso, L-O-F-A-S-O, author and empathic medium. Um, I, you know, have my book series out, the first three books. I'm working on 
the fourth book. I'm also working on um, a script that I hope to turn into a TV show at some point. Great. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's what I'm up to right now. Okay, very good. Uh, okay, well, we'll get into our uh, announcements. So the, well, actually, it's a little too early. We, we have one more question? Uh, of course we do. That's, uh, there are always questions, but the short ones are always very long. Um, this one actually got cut off. Oh, wait, no, this is the, no, whole, the, second, this yeah. is the whole thing. Maybe we'll try and find something smaller. Uh, mm. uh, you know what? Let's, let's, let's hop in into this one from Eric from Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, and Eric writes to us, I have a lot of questions about the current upheaval in Western society, which I don't expect you to answer. Fair enough. Uh, but the whole implication of Area 51 is that it has a much broader purpose and is not uh, moved by happenings in American society. Maybe as the most secret arm of the administrative state, or uh, maybe way beyond that. I know you try to avoid conspiracy theories, uh, but do you think it is actually, or do you think it... What is actually going on in Area 51? Even if there are, uh, even if they are just working on defense systems, are they there to protect us or to harm us? That's a really profound question. I think um, before I was chased across the desert by government vehicles outside Area 51 uh, about what 13 or 14 years ago. I mean, that was a fun time, huh? I had my do- yes, I had my doubts, but you know about the UFO thing. I, I, I Thought it was maybe even a cover-up for secret activity that was going on there, but but that having happened, I'm not so sure. And there's a story behind why it, maybe it did. However, there is uh, some thought that areas that, that that there is a sort of super deep state that's kind of been there since at least World War II, if not World War One, uh, that has uh, engaged in secret research. And there are all kinds of theories about contact with aliens and aliens are working with people. I mean, I don't know about any of that, but um, I do know that, you know, having served that um, nothing is really what it appears to be, uh, particularly intelligence community. Mm. Uh, They found out in the 60s you really can't keep secrets anymore. And especially now with the Internet, it's everybody, you know, blabs everything and it's accurate or inaccurate or totally crazy. And uh, so disinformation became the method of keeping secrets, and we all know that today. So um, as far as Area 51, there may be societal things going on, that whatever control, if, if any, is um, exerted upon it by the legal authorities, I don't know. I have my doubts. And, and as the uh, the, qu- the questioner says, I, I'm, I've never been a conspiracy theorist, and there are times I think I'm getting there with what we're seeing around us in the world. But I don't know. I think there is more to Area 51 uh, in places like it, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Valerie? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree completely with what you said, but um, I will add that, you know, my gut feeling is that there are ETs working among us and probably in places like Area 51. Um, but whether or not they're looking to help or harm us, I think it probably depends on the day. Yeah, mm. you may be right. And just, uh, I want to give Ben a chance, but the um, there is an, an article that I read yesterday in context with something I'm working on uh, where ex, uh, well, what used to be called exobiologists, astrobiologists, people who uh, scientists who theorize about uh, extraterrestrial life 
are beginning to admit, or at least some of them, that there are, crazy as it sounds, invisible aliens living among us. Now, that sounds totally nuts, but when I was in that house, I'm always talking about this, in Bridgeport, Connecticut, 1974, uh, during that poltergeist case with the Warrens, those things that confront that that thing that confronted me was alien in a broad we we were thinking they were these were demons and again as we're always saying these are labels that we can understand that we put on things that we don't understand and that may have no relevance to what they actually are these things were totally other they were alien they were non-human and i don't mean they're necessarily from other planets i mean in the multiverse context that might not even mean anything but um so I get it, and, and you could barely see that, that, that it was it was totally transparent. Mm. Uh, so now science maybe is catching up with, with the paranormal, and we're always saying today's paranormal is tomorrow's science. That goofy as it sounds, invisible aliens in a broad sense may very well be there. There are a lot of things around us we don't see: radio waves, microwaves, even the air, but but they exist. Um, so I know there it is. So I think at this point we better mm-hmm. get to our announcements. Yes. On that cheerful note, um, this has been a very cold winter. It's not over yet. Over the next week, we're asking for donations of sleeping bags, tents, blankets, hand warmers, especially from our local audience in southeastern New England. Don't have to be new, but if it's our local, we can go pick it up. Mm. Uh, this is for the homeless. Our target area is New Haven, Connecticut, which has a, a particularly bad problem. And this is not to encourage them to remain homeless, but simply to survive the winter and the spring. If you can help, drop an email to paul at behindtheparanormal.com, and we will arrange a pickup. Or, or if you're outside the area, we'll arrange something. Mm. Right, just try and help if you can. And we look forward to the New England Parafest uh, that's coming up in uh, Kittery, Maine. Uh, and that runs from April 10th through the 26th, and here in the year of 2022. Uh, we'll provide more information as these dates approach. And uh, visit our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com. You can find over a 1,000 hours, more like 1,100 hours now, of our regular shows, special broadcasts since 2008, from CBS Radio, Achieve Radio, and here on ON uh, and FM, uh, WON. Uh, including uh, the restored archives at BehindTheParanormal.com. Uh, we already talked to Valerie about her info there, and uh, you can download our show app. Uh, it's free at BehindTheParanormal.com. So, Ben, what's uh, going on next week? What's lurking behind the tombstone? For uh, well, the Ides of March are almost upon us, and we'll welcome another friend and colleague, uh, Alexander Petikoff, on March 6th, of Beyond the Trail of TV series, and uh, he will share with us his latest Bigfoot adventures from the wilderness. And I oh. see him posting pictures all the time, and I'm really excited to find out oh, what yeah, he's been up to. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, we leave you today with an obvious thought from actor and martial arts guy Bruce Lee, of all people. The meaning of life is that it is to be lived. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us. Wait! Our... Oh, I'm sorry, Valerie. <laughs> Step on <back. laughs> No worries, I'm Valerie Bafasso, and thank you for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal.